0: Welcome to the latest podcast from the Plastic Surgery Journal Club. Each month, we review an appraiser journal article, typically from PRS, and summarise it for you in this podcast. The full journal can be obtained from the PRS website. Hi, this is Damien Marucci. I'm here with Dr. Anthony Penner at the Sydney Plastic Surgery Journal Club. Coming to you from Sydney, Australia, we are talking about Pakistan Comprehensive Fistula Classification, a novel scheme and algorithm for management of palatal fistula and or dehiscence, this is by uh, Drs. Fayez et al. And this was published in the January 2019 PRS. So Anthony, what was this paper about?
1: Um, so the authors uh, suggested that there's no current universal fistula classification that encapsulates management with existing classifications not accounting for all the fistula presentations. As the authors felt a universal and comprehensive management based fistula, fistula classification um, was required and, and secondary to that have, have gone back through their presentations between 2002 and 2017 to, their, uh, to the CLAP Hospital in Lahore, Pakistan, looked at all the patients that have presented and, and those that they have uh, operated on and subsequently uh, developed a classification and ma- management recommendation uh, flow chart such algorithm. So
0: um, how did they classify palatal fistulas?
1: Yeah, so they, they provide a couple of really good... Diagrams, and if you listen at home, it's probably worth pulling it up. Um, In terms of uh, the classification, they base it off location, size, velopharyngeal competency, um, and they also have uh, sub uh, classifications for patients with dehiscence and multiple fistulas. Um, So they break it up in that way. Um, in terms of how they, uh, they 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 go into those and, and, and classify, they location they break it up into midline, lateral, and subtotal. Um, in terms of midline, they, that's further subdivided into six areas. M um, one uh, is. D- described as the labial alveolar and lingual alveolar area. M2 is the anterior hard palate. M3 is the posterior half of the hard palate. Um, M4 is the junction of the hard and soft palate. M5 is the soft palate. And M6 is the uvula. In terms of the lateral uh, fistulas, it divided into left and right um, and three divisions, the anterior hard palate, the posterior hard palate, and the soft palate. And subtotal fistulas are defined as any anterior fistula extending from the midline to the lateral sides and involves 50% or more of the hard palate. Um, They're they're described as left, right, or bilateral. And the authors suggest that these subtotal fistulas are secondary to damage to the palate During primary surgery. Size, they have divided into four categories: between 1 to 5 millimeters, 5 to 10, 10 to 15, and greater than 15 millimeters. And they define velopharyngeal competency in in three categories, with V1 indicating good palatal length and movement, V2 being good movement, uh, good length with poor movement, and V3 being short length with poor movement. Um, They described hissence as originating from the uvula and extending anteriorly um, uh, and and suggest that D1 is just the uvula, D2 is from the uvula to the soft palate, D3 is the uvula up to the posterior half of the hard palate, and D4 is the complete palate. Okay, and
0: so where did they go from there once they'd established this algorithm? Yeah. Uh, Did they then attempt to (coughs) match the algorithm to... Uh, or this classification to a treatment algorithm, I'm sorry. They did, yeah. So they've, they've
1: gone through and they've looked at how they've managed each of these fistulas, tabulated it, and from there uh, developed a suggested uh, management algorithm. Um, In terms of looking at what they've suggested, uh, it's probably best to go through the positions and that's how they, the locations of the fistula, and that's how they present it to the the reader. Um, They suggest that in the midline, between M1 to 3, so really that's the hard palate. they would suggest uh, routinely a a nasal layer closure with a turn-in flap. Um, an oral outclosure with a buccal solcus mucosal or mucoperiosteal flap. If there's V2, um, uh, a palate re-repair um, uh, to reposition the musculature is, is suggested. And if it's V3, that would suggest a re-repair and pharyngeal flap. For M4 to 5 fistulas, they suggest a palate re-repair and uh, they suggest doing a flap if there's a V3. Um, in terms of lateral fistulas, uh, again divided into um, A, B, and C, uh, A, um, for small anterior lateral fistulas, the nasal lining again they suggest to use a turn-in flap um, with contralateral mucoperiosteal flaps for the oral closure. Um, for V2, uh, they suggest a levator dissection and retroposition of the musculature. And for V3, a pharyngeal flap. Um, <clears throat> for larger Fistulas. They suggest that you may need to consider a regional tissue flap, and commonly they use FAM and tongue flaps Uh, for uh, lateral b. So, kind of hard palate, posterior hard palate, lateral fistulas. They suggest lining the the nasal lining with a turn-in flap, and then again using a contralateral, contralateral mucoperiosteal flap. Uh, for the oral lining, uh, with a regional tissue flap as a, as a plus or minus, depending on the size. Um, for V2 or 3 uh, incompetency, they would suggest using a regional tissue flap plus or minus a pharyngeal flap. And for the lateral fistulas of the soft palate, they, again, they suggest just doing a palate re repair and a plus or minus pharyngeal flap for V2 or 3 incompetence. Um, for subtotal fistulas uh, unilaterally they'll use the nasal lining will be lined with a turning flap and again a contralateral mucoperiosteal flap or regional tissue flap and for bilateral again they suggest the turning flap uh, with a regional flap however the the difference with these is that they suggest that if there's any VPI uh, a two-stage approach would be appropriate Um, so stage one with a regional tissue flap and stage two a pharyngeal flap
0: excellent and so what sort of, did they evaluate their outcomes using this particular algorithm?
1: So in terms of what they've done, uh, they've gone back and they've told us that they've treated 2,537 patients over this study period, which is a, a huge number. Yeah, and that's actually fissure patients, that's not the primary um, cleft palate repair patients. That's right, these yeah. are just fistula yeah. patients. Yeah. Yeah. Of these, as, as would be predicted, the majority were in the, had fistulas in the midline, so yeah. like about 89% had midline fistulas, 8% had lateral fistulas, 2% had subtotal fistulas, and there was 18 patients that had dehiscence. In terms of their outcomes, they've talked about recurrence post-repair. Um, about 7% of all patients developed recurrence, about 181. Um, of those in, that had midline repairs, 7% had recurrence, lateral was about 9%, and subtotal fistulas, about 12% recurrent rates. Um, they also talked about speech outcomes. Um, they suggested that six months post-follow-up in children older than four, that there were improvement in hypernasality and the propulsive consonant, but articulatory er- errors were observed in older, older patients. Unfortunately, what, what they haven't done is, is gone uh, into uh, or looked at why these uh, these failed, um, which would have... Uh, it's a bit of a shame considering how big the cohort is, and maybe that's something they're looking to do in the future. Yep. Okay, so what... What was your overall assessment of the paper? I really like this paper. Yep. I thought um, it was, it's a compreh and, and the classification system that was provided. I thought it was comprehensive, yep. with a good a good anatomical and functional basis behind it. I thought the treatment algorithm proposed was very reasonable, and even more so that the authors recognised that different surgeons would approach issues differently. Um, for instance, some patient surgeons for anterior hard palates would wait till the patient's nine years old and do a bone graft. They talk you know, buckle flaps for some lateral uh, fistulas would be preferenced over things like tongue flaps. Some some surgeons would prefer a double opposing Z-plasty to lengthen the, the palate or performing a pharyngoplasty instead of a palatal flap. All these are mentioned and I think that's very, very balanced. Um, And additionally, I like the fact they've gone through and listed their failure rates for different types of repair. It sets a standard that people can look at considering how big of a population cohort it is. Overall, uh, I think the take-home message from from my point of view is that this is an effective way to conceptualise and classify uh, platal fistula, and the management algorithm is useful but not definitive and unfortunately not interrogated.
0: Well, one of the good things is by establishing such an effective classification system. Should it be universally adopted, it means then that we can start comparing results, looking at different methods of palatal repair. Um, So that is why it's good having uh, a classification system. So then at least different groups conducting research can then hopefully have meaningful assessments of how their particular approaches or algorithms compare with the approaches and algorithms of others. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts, head to soundcloud.com or subscribe to us on iTunes and search Plastic Surgery Journals. Remember to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Thanks also to the PRS Journal team for their ongoing support.